Thank you for joining me. I hope many aspects of your life are progressing. My name is Jason Elder, and welcome to a special edition of LEA Podcast. We are here with Dawn Reby to talk about her second book, Building a Crime Analysis Legacy. Please welcome Dawn Reby. Dawn, how are we doing? Thank you, Jason. I'm so happy to be here today. Thank you again for bringing me to this podcast and, and letting me be part of this once again. I appreciate you. Oh, geez, you have not slowed down a bit since we talked last year. <laughs> no, so, sir. <laughs> so let's start there because when you were on the podcast last year, you were just finishing your book, Bigger Than Data. Yes. And so I want to start there. Just it, it was your first book. And certainly yes. I'm, I'm always looking for lessons learned. And <laughs> what were you thinking when you get in? What did you define success? So I guess going into writing that book, what did you think success was going to look like? I thought success would look like that book in the hands of every analyst in the world. <laughs> 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 and seeing the people, you know, just rise and seeing analysts reach out, which I have had the pleasure of having analysts reach out and say, oh my gosh, I'm taking care of myself now. Oh my goodness, I feel good about myself. And they're really finding that work-life harmony in analytics and in their home life. And so that just makes my heart sing. So big success. So with the first book, your bestseller for Amazon in 10 different categories. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So thankful. Yep. From, from my vantage point with the book, there was, there was the first thing that I really enjoyed out of the book is I am someone who studied leadership early in the, in their twenties and into their thirties and to see some of that leadership knowledge mixed in with law enforcement analysis was just oh there was just like two comfort zones for me that that I just snuggled up to as I was reading the book because it was both law enforcement analysis and then some of the the leadership knowledge that's that I've learned I love that I love that that that's really nice to hear thank you and, and then the second thing I liked about the book is how interactive it was I ended up reading it through Kindle or my phone. And so I enjoyed the, the aspect that there was links in it. So you said, hey, you download, download this tutorial or download this, this chart to help you yes. further with this concept. And yes, yes. Because the book started off like this, so big. <laughs> and the editors like made it so small. And so I still wanted to be able to put the inspiration, the motivation, the tools in the hands of analysts. And so I, I ended up linking a lot of things to our YouTube page, to our free download page, mm -hmm. you know, and to continue to give folks an opportunity to grow. So if they were struggling with a certain section of the book, they could go then and really focus in on that particular section, like, okay. you know, building confidence or starting their own leadership or leadership of self or analytical skills, you know, any of those things that they were working on, they could then go and devour a whole YouTube series of like 10 videos to further grow that area. Yeah. So is there one particular section that you've gotten the most feedback from? It's funny. It's the confidence section. 
It's the building confidence section. In fact, I've been partnering with folks to deliver presentations on public speaking and how to build your confidence and what it means to be confident in yourself and how to actually create that in your life. And so I, I feel like in part of me thought it was a natural thing. Once it's achieved, part of me thought it was natural. Like all analysts are speaking in front of people, they must be confident. But it really was not, it is not natural for a lot of folks. It's very, I thought I was the only one. (laughs) Apparently I wasn't, right? (laughs) The confidence piece. And so what I found is a lot of people really struggled with their value, knowing that they were of value versus, you know, always proving themselves to their agency. So that confidence piece, and we gave them lots of different ways to build their confidence that got the most attention. I think it was because it was the most universal. Hmm. All right. So you mentioned the editors and so, you know, was that, was that pretty frustrating? Cause uh, certainly you ha- have this vision in your, in your head, like this is, this is what I want to do. And then I, I don't know, were the editors familiar with law enforcement analysis or were they editors to any book that came along? So they were, they're regular editors. And so their thought really was to deliver as much as I could that was non-law enforcement to really have a broader scope and for the law enforcement people to really guide them to our analyst program. That's that, it's a group program, a virtual program, as well as a one-on-one program. And they could learn the skills, the analytical skills that they needed there. So their approach, the publisher's approach was really to make it a little bit bigger, a little bit more broad so that many people could relate to it versus just analysts. Okay. And then have you gotten much feedback in terms of non-law enforcement readers? Yes, yes. I've gotten quite a few non-law enforcement readers saying I just substituted out the word analyst for my job. (laughs) (laughs) And they said, yes, I am not taking good care of myself. I'm sitting at my desk for eight hours a day or, you know, I don't have a professional development roadmap or whatever it is. And and they decided to implement some of the strategies too. Yeah. Do you find either through your reaction to this book or just in your working with analysts that do you feel that analysts know where they want to go and just don't know how to get there or they don't even know where they want to go? I would say a little bit of both, but probably more that they don't know where they want to go. Mm-hmm. A lot of analysts are just happy to have a job yes. <laughs> in crime analysis. Yes. <laughs> and and some of them are just not even aware of, of the extent of growth that they are sitting in front of. And so a lot of times when, when I talk to analysts, I'm talking to them about where they see themselves three, five, eight years from now. And what can we do to really define that very, very well, not just in career, but in other areas of their lives so that we can define that really well and then build their life according to what they want to be true. And that's that concept of life by design. Okay, good. So, so clearly this first book was for the analysts. And then, so now the next book here that you're about to publish is certainly dedicated to the analyst supervisor. And so did you, did you always have the vision of two books or was it first analyst and we'll see how that goes. And then once you enjoyed that process enough, you were looking for a sequel. 
Well, you know, I have two programs. I have one program for analysts and one program for supervisors. And both are full, complete programs, you know, up to a year, depending on what people do, right? And mm-hmm. so I had originally built the analyst portion of the program, of the book rather, to because that was the greatest need at the time. But then I, all these supervisors started coming out of the woodworks as well. And, and I knew... I knew I just had to get it out. And so this time I did not hire the publicist. I secretly wrote for 10 months. (laughs) (laughs) I followed the template that they gave me the last time. I secretly wrote, and then I hired a person, a book publisher who, who could really do all the technical stuff and align it and do the things. But there was no editing other than six friends and clients who got a first copy of the book and who were able to say, this makes sense. This doesn't make sense. That's... Everything else was exactly what I wanted to be in that book. Okay, good. So then did you find that this book was easier or harder? to write than the first book? I think it was so much easier to write because I knew the structure, I knew the flow, and I wasn't really, I was sharing the process. It's a one, two, three. And to me, you know, I've been in this field for 24 years. I've been teaching for over 10 years and working with hundreds of police departments all this time. I I know the trouble they face. I've been there. I've documented it. I helped them through it. And they face the same issues. Supervisors face a lot of the same issues. And so as I was teaching these classes and as I was building out the program for supervisors, it just kind of was a free flow. Like it was just very flowy, very free and very technical, which is what us analysts all can do very well, right? We can write the bing of the bing of the boom. <laughs> yeah. Give me a recipe and I'll, I'll, I'll bake the cake, right? Exactly. Yes. So the name of the book is Building a Crime Analysis Legacy. And I I find that interesting. What went into that name? Mm. So I love the idea of sustainability, of, of really creating something that's going to be there in a strong way beyond the analysts. So as new analysts come in, they are trained effectively. They are built in effectively the systems, the structure, everything is there. And uh, an analyst supervisor of a friend of mine had reached out and she said, I really want to build legacy before I leave. And I said, that's it, legacy. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's what we did. Yeah. So you could summarize it up in a couple of sentences. What is the purpose of the book? Sure. So the purpose of the book is really to give agencies, large or small, a a hand tool of everything that they need to build analytical structure. So we're talking about the infrastructure. We're talking about the policies, the vision, the procedures, the onboarding, the retention, the legacy piece of it, the the actionable products, like how to measure them, how to create buy-in, all the stuff that's needed for this well-oiled machine to operate efficiently and effectively, whether or not you're there. I gotcha. So, and this goes into the idea when I had Dr. Rachel Boba Santos on the, on my podcast, and she, she was talking about the idea of getting the tasks and uh, of analysts into the standard operating procedure and that that should be built in there long term and no matter who the police chief is the analysts do analyst things 
Yes. And is yes. this the similar right. a similar idea? It is quite similar. You know, an analyst will walk into a police agency and say their department told them they're in charge of ComStat because that's crime analysis. And that's not crime analysis. That's one tool of mm-hmm. analytics. And so Rachel's right that we really need to create these systems, these policies, this this understanding of what crime analysis or analytics is at an agency. Now, it's going to be different how it's implemented, right? So if you're a tiny agency, you might have different ways of collecting your data. If you're a large agency, you might have different ways that your analysts are dispersed. And so there's certainly differences in, in the infrastructure itself, but the essence is really the same. You know, I see far too many supervisors, bosses, folks, HR departments creating tools for their people, like an HR department should not be creating your job description. (laughs) We need to know what kind of person we want in that role. And we need to stop using the word support services. We need to Mm -hmm. really be clear and concise about the roles of analysts at an agency. And that's going to give analysts the freedom and and the role ownership to implement quality analytics using a variety of innovative solutions as as our world evolves. Okay. So you hit something on there too, because, and maybe you had some opportunity to research this in there, because I've heard some horror stories out there. You mentioned HR, and I think it was Arizona folks told me that they, in the interview process, they could not by policy, accept a resume from a candidate that it was that locked down that they like, you just hear all these weird rules that (laughs) HR has over analyst hiring. And, you know, and sometimes candidates won't even get to the super supervisor because it didn't meet the threshold of, of HR. And so is this stuff addressed in the book or how would you respond to that? You know, so I I get where we're at right now, where some agencies will have that happen, right? It's a large agency and and the supervisor will not even see the application because it has to go through this whole HR process. Write it anyway. Write the internal version of what you want to be true anyway, because when you are selecting the right analysts, when you are selecting your team players, you want to make sure that you're giving them the right information. And so sometimes, you know, during these interviews, there's this generic what analysis does and the poor analyst has no idea (laughs) what this agency wants, what the culture of the agency is. And so my, my, the book really goes into, and it provides examples of what a quality job description, what a quality selection of an analyst could be the language to use. And for those agencies who do have the HR challenge, HR, you know, might be a great partner for you to connect with, to really work together with instead of in these separate entities and help them understand the true Uh, of the actual position, what exists in that actual position. Okay. So certainly you have a section on there on hiring, bringing in the right analyst, which sounds like a very good first step. And then one of the things that I envision as a supervisor is that they're almost facing a two front war. And, and 
why that might be to use the word war might be strong but you you're in a position you're middle management you certainly have the folks that you're supervising and dealing with the the pros and cons and all the good and bad that goes into supervising analysts but then you're also reporting up to executives and dealing with different personalities, different things that way they've always been, trying to guide the the change that is necessary to set up this infrastructure. Yeah. So I guess let's start with the advice that you have in the book in terms of just supervising analysts, and then we'll go into dealing with the executives. So I would say it's really twofold, right? So first things first, a lot of times a police agency promotes Jason because he's a fabulous analyst and and he's amazing. And we're going to promote you, Jason. And now you are going to lead a team team of supervisors because you're really good at analysis. Mm -hmm. But the challenge with that is, is you might be great at analysis, but you might not have the skills that you need to be a supervisor. So we really want to focus on your leadership. We want to focus on the key elements of your own growth, right? So I always tell supervisors, there should never be a day where you are not reading a book on leadership or in or listening to a leadership podcast or developing yourself in a leadership program. If you're leading other people, it is a regular, you know, regular practice for leaders in other in other sectors and certainly should be in ours to be practicing their leadership, growing their leadership. Leadership is not the same thing as analysis. And so that's the first thing is just because you're a great analyst doesn't mean that you are ready to be a great supervisor. You don't have to wait to be a supervisor to begin this process. If you're saying to yourself right now, in five years, I want to be a supervisor, you know, start listening to the podcast, start being involved in the programming around leadership. That's going to really take a look at who you are and how you can lead the people around you in your current position. So that's the first piece. The second piece, and well, and the book really goes into this, and so does our program. We actually have an entire leadership program to do exactly that. And the second piece of it is creating that vision. Far too often, I don't see agencies creating a vision of what they want to be true. It's kind of this capped thing that happens where they just pick up where the last person left off and, and try to like do a little bit better. <laughs> yeah. and, right? Leave it better than you found it, right? A little bit better. <laughs> But I argue that we got to take a step back as leaders and we have to create a vision, a quality three to five year vision of what we want to be true for our units and then engineer that environment backwards. So we, we as analysts and as analyst supervisors, we're so in the grind that we don't always think about that vision piece. It's way over here. But supervisors, here's what they're thinking about. They're thinking about vision. They're thinking about aligning people with the vision. They're thinking about systems, how to streamline, how to, how to make systems better. And so as well as a few other things. And the book goes into all of this as well, how to create that vision, how to think beyond the two millimeters <laughs> from where you are. And really, once you commit to that vision and you have the buy-in for that vision, which is also outlined in the book, how to continue to remind not only your chief, but all the other folks and get everybody on board with this vision so that data quality improves, so that communication improves, so that all of these things improve because of this bigger vision. Yeah. Do you feel that anybody can be a leader? That's a really good question. I think that leadership is learned. 
Mm -hmm. I think that leadership is learned. I think we have some very, you know, born leaders, right? We Mm -hmm. have those people who are just, they're just there, right? Mm -hmm. But I do believe that if you want to be a leader, if you desire to be a leader and you put in the time and the energy, you will refine your leadership and you will get that much better each and every time. I think you have to have the openness to learn, the desire to serve, and the, the intention and the consistency and persistency to rise other people. And if you have all those, then yes, you could be a leader. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. All right. So let's go on the other side now, because, you know, the, the analysts that you're supervising them, there's an expectation that you're going to lead the, the analysts and kind of put them where they need to be to succeed. But this idea of creating infrastructure and three to five years down the road. Now let's talk about going to those that you report up to, because I always go back to the police departments that I would worked in. And you're talking about the, the, the captain or major who, whoever was over the crime analysis unit in three to five years that could be six to seven different people because they rotate through so everybody gets a chance to experience every department in in the police department so as once they get the chief they've they've experienced it all so you you do have certain scenarios there that make it a little bit more difficult but let's just let's start first of like what's the initial conversation like to say we want to step back we want to create infrastructure we want to we want to create this 3 to 5 year plan mm-hmm. yeah so that's true in the policing world you know we shift when i was up in nashua everyone switched positions after 2 years and you know the reality is every single analyst if you don't have an analyst supervisor and every analyst supervisor they must be and must have this mentality of i am the ceo of crime analysis right? We talked about this in the other book. I'm the CEO of crime analysis. And so when you become the CEO of crime analysis, you are the expert. You bring the best practices. You are the person who says, hey, this has shifted. Here's a better way to do it, right? And so those two to three-year people coming in and rotating in, when they have somebody who's confident, who's acting like a leader, who's behaving like a leader, whether or not they have the title, they're the CEO of crime analysis, then that really creates an easier avenue for them to look really good, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's critical that we not wait for the right person to come on board, you know, in rotation to identify ourselves as the functional quality analytical unit. It's critical that we define it first and say sorry later. <laughs> yeah. And and build that out because, you know, think about it, Jason. When you when you started as an analyst, you'd never been an analyst. Your first two years, you're just learning. Mm-hmm. You're just learning the basics, right? Yeah. And so that's what these folks are doing too. And so it's important for you to bring and show up as your best self so that they trust you, so that they trust what you're saying is true. And and you got to trust you. So you got to get out there and learn those best practices as a supervisor or as the analyst who's acting as a supervisor. You talk about always getting buy-in, talk about getting getting the super the people that you're reporting to on board, even if you have to do it first and then get permission permission later. So what would you say is maybe the most difficult or you hear from supervisors is the most difficult to imp- in implementing your program? Well, implementing crime analysis, I'd say one of the most difficult things is helping 
people understand what it is and how it can be utilized. Mm -hmm. And that's an area that we really focus on in the book and in the program is defining that vision, being so super clear about exactly what you do so that others know too, and that you are able to articulate it very well. I worked with supervisors who they say, we support detectives. Well, that's too big. (laughs) What does that even mean? I support detectives. I support patrol. Like, what does that mean? Do you carry their books for them? Like, what do you do? Right? (laughs) Well, I can get dangerous because that's, uh, you know, printing banners on the plotter, right? That's uh... exactly right. That's exactly right. And I remember I worked for an agency where we had a, a system in place, but they brought over a pile of papers, like this high, right? So we're probably talking about five inches of of papers. And they said, can you make a chart? And I was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Tape it Um, on the wall, maybe. I don't know. Take a picture of it. (laughs) So they, you know, but the idea was you support detectives. So Mm -hmm. this is support. And so when we leave it so vague like that, it's not their fault. They're just Mm -hmm. trying to figure out how they can utilize you. So one of the very first things when I work with analyst supervisors and police agencies, and one of the very first things that we do is we clearly define it. And and I'm ruthless. (laughs) If there's any word of support in there, they are getting a big F. (laughs) And so we really define it. I specifically do this for the purpose of this. And so I've seen departments articulate very, very well what they do and put it on like laminated paper and send it off to their officers. So they have a little, you know, piece of paper in their back pocket and so forth. But it is important to really define what we do so that not only the supervisor knows, but the analyst knows too. Okay. So, so you mentioned in the, in the first book, the publisher had you be attractive to non-law enforcement readers. In in this one, is this specifically for law enforcement supervisors? So infrastructure is infrastructure. Operations Mm -hmm. is operations, right? Whether you run a business, whether you run a military operations, whether you run policing, whatever operations you run, you need to know how to hire, you need to know how to retain, you need to have policies and procedures and vision and all of that stuff. So in that sense, the big concept pictures can certainly apply to anyone in leadership. But the specifics in the book are all law enforcement crime analysis. So the specifics in the book will give you examples on what a vision statement could be for a crime analysis unit, what a job description could be for a crime analysis function, you know, what a progression plan could be for an analyst. So anyone could really read that book and pull out of it some of the key operational concepts but it is really intended as a as a as a tool for law enforcement to take it and literally check off the boxes saying did this did this did this and it's done that also includes getting into that standard operating procedure that i mentioned at dealing with you fascinate me in that i think you see conflict as an opportunity, as a the partner. I find that fascinating with you that obviously you're going to step on some toes in this process, but it doesn't have to necessarily be like this super aggressive adversarial relationship with those people. Let's work with them and see if we both can win. 
It is. It's all about win-win. It's all about you being the CEO of crime analysis and providing best practices. And I'll give you an example. I was working with this agency, a wonderful, wonderful agency, and they didn't, they knew they wanted analytics, but they weren't quite sure what it was. And so they were just happy to have someone who was an analyst. (laughs) And so they came in, came in my first week and they said, okay, so we're going to tell the NIBRS person that you're here now and you'll take over NIBRS. And I said, okay, all right, all right. So let's have a bigger conversation. Mm-hmm. What do you want to be true for your agency, <laughs> for this agency three years from now? Well, we want to build analytical capacity. We want this, we want that. Mm-hmm. And we really started talking about this bigger picture of what they wanted. And I said, okay, so you want that. Let me deliver that to you. And they said, okay. <laughs> and I said, I can't do neighbors. <laughs> That's going to make it so that I can't deliver that to you. Yeah. And, 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 I, and it's an educational opportunity to really say neighbors reporting is a records function. Mm-hmm. Neighbors reporting is a records function. And we have a team of people typically who are cleaning and, and, and talking to the officers and really making sure that that data is effective. And I compared it to tying a shoe. Um, mm-hmm. So I, when you think about when you, you, do you run at all, Jason? Do you run do. any races? Yes. Okay. Yes. So I, I thought so. So when you run races, what kind of sneakers do you wear? The, the most comfortable ones. The most comfortable ones, right? Do you yes. have a particular brand that you like? No, I actually rotate through, through rotate right, all through. the different brands. So, yeah. So you like a nice sole, the, the laces have to be tied up real nice. And yeah, usually yeah. it will mine. I have a big thing. It's comfort and weight with me. Is the two things that I look for. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and so it's important for you, you go to the store, you look for this and you take it home, you buy it and you take it home. Mm -hmm. And so I compared me to that. I said, (laughs) I am going to the store and I'm going to take that data from those Nipers people and I'm going to use it for my running. Right. But I'm not going to make the shoe. I'm not going to make the shoelaces. I'm not going to, you know, put the the rubber on. I mean, it's important to me and data quality is important to me, but I I can't be the person who's making the shoe because then I won't have time to train for the marathon. Right. Mm -hmm. So analysts can't have, they, if they're doing everything under the sun, they simply won't have enough time to do quality analytics. And so Mm -hmm. when I explained it to the chief this way and really started the conversation with what's your vision he understood he understood and he was able to say this makes more sense where shall we go from here i got you good i think one thing for the supervisors is without a vision your analyst is going to fall into whatever they're comfortable with because i know when i was an analyst i did the tasks that were asked of me but i got to the point where I was more interested in the process of the data and getting the data clean and getting the data into making it a more usable form for us. So it was easier for us to do our job. So I spent a good portion of my task automating yes. mundane tasks. And, Smart. you know, and there's other people that are going to launch into being maybe more interested in people and wanting to work investigations and whatnot. And then there's other people that are going to maybe be focused on a certain crime. If that's not laid out to you, that will be up left up to the analyst and he or she will do whatever they're interested in. Mm -hmm. And that may or may not work in the roadmap that you're about to lay out. Right. Right. 
Right. We need to be having bigger conversations. We need to be having conversations about, okay, Jason's going to be working through the data. Who do we have that's presenting this information once it's done? Or is that also his role? You know, the, when we think about crime analysis, we think about the key things that have to happen, right? Mm-hmm. If you're building an analytical function, you have to create buy-in, you have to have data quality, definitely, right? So you mm-hmm. can't report on things that are not clean. And so there has to be all these elements. You have to have actionable reporting that officers actually use, right? There's that yeah. too. And so there's all these different things. And so when you come to the table as an analyst, sometimes as an analyst, we think about the one thing that we're doing. Mm-hmm. But as an analyst supervisor, you really got to be thinking about that whole picture, the quality, the process, the this, the that, and deciding who is going to do what and how can we come together as this well-oiled machine? Yeah. 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 Okay. Good. All right. This book then leads someone into your leadership class. And so let's, let's briefly talk about this leadership class because the two obviously go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So the book is really the building blocks for building analytical infrastructure. Behind the book, there needs to be the leader, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so the leadership course is a 12 module system that focuses on all of these nooks and crannies about being a quality leader. So we're talking about how to cultivate belonging, how to develop your own leadership, how to create efficiency strategies, all the things that we think about as leaders, and then how to implement, how to coach other people, how to know when to lead versus when to let your people lead, right? And so the book talks about how to implement analytical capacity. The program is the book on steroids. (laughs) (laughs) And it really is a leadership focused transferable skill program where a lot of folks will come to this program and may or may not be in law enforcement. So the leadership school starting in October is specifically for law enforcement analysts because it's nice to have them together in a small cohort for a period of time. Yeah. So is this meeting in person, meeting online? So it is 100% virtual and 100% online. I've had a, mm-hmm. a couple of people reach out and say, what is the commitment? What does it look like? What does it feel like? So there's two versions, right? So the program is nine months long. It starts in October and it ends in June. And we're only doing it once a year from, from this point forward. So if you miss out on this year, you get to wait until next year to get it. Right? Okay. <laughs> because nice. in, in between, we'll be doing the analyst programs, right? So, so the commitment is once a week, you show up to a one hour session with other leaders to talk about the lessons that you learned. And during the week, you get three weeks to really focus on a module. So there's Mm -hmm. 12 modules, you get three weeks to focus on that module. And there's reading materials, there's the book, there's other books in there as well that I found find very helpful for leaders. And there's also some reflection questions and some different activities that we as leaders um, do and then come back to the group and reflect on them. Okay. Well, good. All right. So in the show notes, we're obviously going to put a link to the book and to the class as well. So if you're interested in that, look in the show notes for more information. So let's go over the book launch now. So yes. 
when is this book going to publish? August 10th. August 10th is the day. (laughs) Uh, Fingers crossed that everything goes according to plan. I'm sure it will. It'll be fine. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to have some drips on our social media. We're going to have a a free chapter delivered at Mm -hmm. some point to get folks really understanding what it's all about. And August 10th is the day. Okay. And so it will be in both electronic and uh, physical form? Yes, yes. I learned what when you talked about the lessons that you learned, mm-hmm. I learned that it's very expensive to send things to other countries. <laughs> <laughs> and so someone from Canada bought the first book, and I think it was $20 at the time. And it cost me $30 to send the book to them. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, that's, that's just bad business right there. Just doing the math. <laughs> And so, so we've decided to turn it into a Kindle as well. So those folks who don't want to, you know, cover the shipping can certainly have the Kindle version with them. Okay. And do you, just what I mentioned with the first book, is there a lot of links and whatnot that where the Kindle might be a more advantage because you can just click them right there, save them off and, and have them at your disposal? Yes. So the Kindle will absolutely do that for you. But what we've also included is a book bonus section that you receive when you purchase the book. So the book bonus section has links to a ton of templates and tools. And it actually has some of my favorite podcasts. And Jason, you're on there. Oh, you're making me (laughs) blush. Thank you. Yes. So there'll be lots of tools for folks who purchase the book to to go to. So if you do end up purchasing the hard copy or the the soft cover of the book, it'll direct you to your specific link for the book bonuses, which is one link with a bunch of stuff. Okay, very good. Well, certainly it would be a change in legacy to establish an infrastructure in crime analysis. So I encourage the audience to go out, read the book, and do. But I'll, Don, I always leave the words of the world section. I always leave the last word to my guests. So what, what are your last words here? You know, probably very similar to the first round, which is we've got to decide. We've got to be the CEOs of our lives and of crime analysis. And so it really is an opportunity for us to rise as a, as a complete industry together when we professionalize ourselves, when we create proper infrastructure, when we build each other up. We, as an entire industry, demand a higher level of excellence. And so I encourage every analyst here, whether you're a supervisor or an analyst, or you just are a supporter of analysts, to really acknowledge the great work that analysts do to help police departments operate effectively and efficiently and really support this growth, this shift in culture that we are working so hard to do in these books and these podcasts and so forth. So thank you, Jason, so much for having me here today. I appreciate you. Oh, thank you. And good luck with the book. It's great always talking with you and you be safe. All right. Thank you.